What's going on, guys? Sorry to interrupt sports here. Brought to you, as always, by SorrySports.com. So today is our Monday Rundown Podcast. Sean and I jumped right into baseball, breaking down the ALCS and the NLCS, and then we went into a deep, deep dive onto the New York Yankees. A little bit early for that, being that baseball season isn't even over yet, but whatever, fuck it. Next, we went into NCAA football. We broke down all of the upsets from last week. NCAA football has definitely been shaken up. I went into the Nick Bosa situation at Ohio State. Then we previewed the games for week eight and talked a little bit about the college football playoff rankings. Finally, we talked a little bit of NBA. Obviously, we talked Jimmy Butler. So go ahead and enjoy. We'll be back tomorrow with our Wednesday podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Sorry Sports, on Instagram, Sorry underscore Sports. And give us an email if you have any suggestions or you just want to say what's up. Sorry, sports at yahoo.com. Enjoy the pod, guys. Everybody, what's going on? It's the sorry to interrupt rundown episode. We're hitting to, we're hitting it Tuesday today. Monday had to take rundown, a day off. Tuesday rundown. That's it. We had to take yesterday off. We were both coming back from vacations. I could not sack up and do the pod. I was on no sleep. Couldn't do it. But uh, come on, man. We gotta we gotta bring the goods. So that's what we're doing today. Um, we're gonna get right into it with baseball. We're gonna talk about the current state of the MLB playoffs. No, we are not gonna dwell on the Yankees. You heard that last week to open our NFL pod. But first, let me ask Tom, what's up? How are you, bro? Um, tough sperm bank week for me. Tough total. We're gonna get into that tomorrow. All I'm gonna say is I hope you're not planning on having kids because you're, that's bad. That's it's been bad for you. I've been very unfertile with my sperm bank pick. <laughs> you really <laughs> have. That's that bank's going out of business fast. <laughs> um, but we uh, we will get into all things NFL tomorrow. Uh, with another Giants loss and another good performance by your Jets and everything else in between. But right now we're gonna start. We're gonna start with baseball. And get into the current state of the MLB playoffs, beginning with the ALCS. Red Sox currently lead 8-2, bottom 9. It looks like they're going to take a 2-1 series lead. I mean, I still wonder what's going to happen with them. I mean, Sale had a really not great start in Game 1. Not left for an illness. Mm-hmm. So you got to wonder if something's going hospital, on with actually. that. Yeah. And again, David Price, although the Red Sox won the game, couldn't even get out of the fifth inning to qualify for the win. Hey, they won the game at this point in the season. They when cheered season, just to show the low bar that he's at right now. They cheered him when he came off the mound, leading by one without even getting out of the fifth inning and giving up a couple runs. Like, that's how low the bar has been set for David Price in Boston. I mean, like you said, they won the game. That's all that matters. But I still find a hard way to believe that they're going to win this series if those guys aren't pitching right. I think at this point, David Price is the fourth worst starter on that team. I. I think obviously Chris Sale's better, especially when he's healthy. Um, Evaldi's better. Pitched a really Sale good game better. today. Yeah, yeah, Evaldi shut down the Astros today, picking up right where he left off in the Yankees series, uh, showing why that was a really good pickup. I mean, you you hit the nail on the head when that trade went down, man. You you predicted he was going to have a play a really big role, and he has, um, kind of giving some stability to a shaky Red Sox rotation. Their bullpen has also been really shaky. Including They're, Craig Kimbrell, who is one of the best closers in baseball over the last 10 years. That guy, I mean, it used to be kind of a one, two, three year out of their inning, and every once in a while you'd have a hiccup. Now you're sweating through every single pitch, almost as much as he is on the mound. I think Bregman, when Bregman hit that ball that went to the wall to end game two, I thought that was off the wall. 
I didn't think he got all of it, but I thought that was off the wall. And they and remember Sanchez, that ball he hit to fly out to Ben Intendi in game four. At Fenway, that's a double off the wall. So, I mean, he really has gotten lucky on a couple while giving up runs. It's weird, man. Like, pitching seems to win in the playoffs, and with the exception of Evaldi today, they haven't started well and they haven't relieved well, but they've scored a ton of runs, which is what they've done that's all what year. they do, man. And, and, you know, we said it throughout the entire season. Oh, you know, they they have the best regular season team by far, but you start to see it in the playoffs. Obviously, it hasn't hurt him so far. They're up 2-1 to one in the ALCS, but when you're facing these better teams, especially a team like the Astros pitching really matters. So, um, you know, just to give you a prediction, I think the Astros are going to win this series in seven. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, Verlander on the mound seventh game. Yeah. Yeah. You feel pretty good about that. I mean, he did, he had a shaky game one, but he was better than sale. Garrett Cole, your boy really pitched poorly in game two. I was expecting better from him. Let's yeah. see if he can rebound in a game five. Keuchel today, who does not pitch well against Boston, is funny, for as good as he does against the Yankees, he's like the antithesis of that against the Red Sox. They smacked him around. I think they scored two runs today without him even getting an out in the first. Um, so tomorrow, I think they're going to turn to Charlie Morton and a Lance McCullers uh, combo and and hope to tie up this series. Sometimes that's just the way it goes. I just think this team is just too talented, even for the Red Sox, honestly, to to beat them in a seven-game series. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I, I could see Verlander pitching game five, and then they're they're going to go Cole six and probably Verlander again in seven with, with, with Keuchel right there to back him up and, and all hands on deck. Um, that's really what I'm taking away from the LCS right now. It's too early to tell. Both teams can really hit. There's some shakiness in the rotation so far, even by the studs. And the relief pitching has been very suspect on both ends, so it's really going to be a war of attrition. Can can the Astros t- take back this series tomorrow and go 2-2? Two, two? Or else it could be Sox and 6. It just sucks looking at Boston sports in general. I mean, I think the Bruins are on a four-game winning streak. Obviously, the Patriots, you watch the game on Sunday night. We'll talk about that tomorrow. They're looking to be rounding into their, their normal, natural form. Red Sox are rolling right now. They're up 2-1. to one. And then the Celtics start tonight, and they have the big, the best team in the East and probably the most depth in the NBA. It's very depressing for a New York sports fan. Sunday was nauseating with the Sox taking Game 2 and the Pats walking off with the field goal against the Chiefs. I mean, if you're a New York sports fan or really anybody that just dislikes Boston, that sucked. But in New England... Probably still or probably still have the hard on from that night. Um, yeah. So now we're going to transition to the NLCS where the Milwaukee Brewers hold a 2-1 lead over the Dodgers. Game one, they really just went bullpen, 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 took care of business. Brandon Woodruff, a relief pitcher, hit a home run off Kershaw. 425 feet, which was like crazy. That. that was a bomb. I, I just think this bullpen is too good, and they've really exploded. I mean, last night you had Chasim pitch a really good game. 89 pitches gave up, what, one earned run? None. Gave up no earned runs, excuse me. Because they won and the game 4 nothing. Yeah, so. you're right. I'm sorry about that. I thought they had a run in there. And then their bullpen Well, the Dodgers threatened their, a couple times, just couldn't push even one across. Even in the ninth, they, yeah. they had, I think the bases were loaded in the ninth. Yep, and second and third, one out in the second, didn't score. Couldn't get the job done, and this bullpen just seems to be rolling right now. And I think it looks like they're going to the World Series right now. Yeah, game game four is tonight. Uh, after we record this podcast, um, they're throwing uh, Gio Gonzalez, who also pitched game one, and they're not another asking, great call by me. Another great call by Tom. Listen, my, Listen, my NFL not picks asking, are terrible, but if everything else, just come to me. I'm not gonna do that. Just come to your they, boy. I'm not gonna do that. They uh, 
they're asking Gonzalez to give him about four, which he can do. And then in game two, Wade Miley, who signed a minor league deal, looked like his career was over. Was six shutout innings? A, a five and two-thirds shutout innings against the Dodgers before the bullpen just couldn't close it. Jeremy Jeffress had a tough game. He's been struggling really throughout this postseason. Yeah, he had trouble last night, but he figured out a way yep, to slam the door. looks legit. All the problems he had in the regular season look taken care of, and nobody's touching Josh Hader. Yeah. So if Jeffers that, can be just a little bit better, I mean, those are three guys that they can run out there essentially every night. That offense, um, top to bottom, is not as talented as the Dodgers lineup or any of the other teams' lineups in this league, but their middle-of-the-lineup hitters are as good as anyone else's. And you know what? They have the best defense in baseball. They had it all year, and you saw that in the in this series with Lorenzo Cain taking away a home run. They they just on all around are probably the best team. Agreed, and 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 that seems to be the general consensus. You know, when we were getting caught up in the Cubs and talking about you know the last month or so, what was going to happen down the stretch, they just were not getting their due, even though they made some moves that looked like was going to help them a lot. But we were just waiting for the names of the Cubs and and teams like that and the Rockies to push through. And, and the Brewers really sneakily have been the most consistently best team for a while now. And on top of that, too, you know, their recipe is score early and shut the door. And Craig they've Council, done that a Craig lot. Council's done a lot of job this year managing the team. And their GM did a really good job going out and get Aguilar a couple years ago, literally off the scrap heap from Cleveland, and then making – Really, really smart moves for guys like Scope and, of course, guys like Lorenzo Cain. Christian Yelich. Christian Yelich and really shoring up that bullpen with the moves he's made and getting a couple serviceable starters because they lost two starters to Tommy John surgery earlier this year. And I think at that point we were pretty much saying that they were done. Um, And they have figured out a way to just have a bullpen that's just going to go out and dominate you and just squeeze five innings, maybe six out of all their pitchers. I mean – this team is by far, I said it just before, the most well-rounded team left in the playoffs. Doesn't this feel like I'm like you're watching a second version of the Cleveland Indians of 16? Like like I Hater like, is the Andrew Miller of that team and I feel they like I'm they watching, score early, they're yeah. aggressive on the base paths. They they're they're not like a super deep lineup, but they're really good I in the like middle. I feel like I'm watching a, a second act of the 2016 Kansas City Royals. 15 Royals? Yeah. I Whatever. Mean, yeah. I mean, what year did they beat the Mets? Yeah, 15. Because no, I just 16. said the 16 Indians. Because that was the team that lost that lost the Cubs in Game 7. You're right. Yeah, I'm yeah. sorry. But still. But they all mold together. Yeah. Bullpen teams that play amazing defense and just are very aggressive. Yep. Very aggressive I, I was thinking more... The Royals is a good point. I was thinking more of just like they have that one dominant super reliever because the the Royals really had a slew of them, but they didn't have one guy who was going to go three and a third or something like like Andrew Miller was and yeah. what Josh Hader's doing right now. I mean, they're prolific out of that pen, and if the Dodgers lose tonight, I think that series ends in probably six. Yeah, I think Milwaukee. I think the Dodgers will find a way to win tomorrow, and the Dodgers can or the Brewers can win in it. Wisconsin. I hope they take it as soon as they possibly can. I definitely think the Brewers are going to the World Series this year. I'd love it in five, and the reason why I'd love it in five is because I think, moving on to our next topic with the Yankees, that makes Manny Machado's decision that much easier to come over to the Yankees. The king of the segue, Tom. We're going to spend a pretty, just to let you guys know, we're going to spend a kind of in-depth, lengthy uh, segment on this. We, we've done a lot of thinking about it. You know, it's been a week now since the Yankees were eliminated from the playoffs. A lot of crying. A lot of crying. 
uh, a lot of uh, short texts back and forth, being very upset. Um, not a good mood, but we are going to move on. Let me like just the say professionals this. Do. Let me just say this to start off. Aaron Boone will be the manager next year. Everybody yeah. get over it. Oh, and also all of his coaches are coming back yep. too. So we're going to we're gonna spend some time on I this. I saw that they're bringing the bench coach back, and you had pointed that out. Um, it's a little disappointing that they didn't bring someone in there with maybe a, a little more experience than the guy that they have right now who has never been a manager before. Yep. I, I think the way they see it now is, well, now you do have some experience. So, oh, so take it, you know, uh, I mean, whatever it is, what it is at this point, Brian Cashman made this decision. He's going to have to live with it. And, uh, the way I look at this season, just quick before we're going to talk about some personnel decisions and cry, and God damn it, Sean, I'm not going to cry. I'm not going to cry. Um, just a reflection on this year. It, it it just goes to show how valuable Aaron judge and DD Gregorius are to this team. And when you lose those guys, you're going to suffer a lot of losses because their intangibles are just as important as what they bring on the field. This was a team that in the first half with Boston was right there. They were in lockstep for the division. Judge breaks his wrist, and the season kind of went down. They were scrambling for a couple moves, like an Andrew McCutcheon, a Lance Lynn, a Jay Happ, to fortify the team. Uh, Zach Britton didn't really do what we thought he was going to do. All in all, though, 100 wins. You know, you had Glaber Torres come up this year. There was questions about that. Miguel Andujar is probably winning Rookie of the Year. He was Glaber not even Torres supposed to play. Torres makes an all-star team. Andujar wins Rookie of the Year. You can't really complain when it comes to that. Nope. Starting pitching definitely needs to be fixed. I think that They're going to do huge. that. I what mean, were you your look, takeaways from this season, though? Just real quick before we go into what we're thinking is going to happen. What would you take away from this year? I mean, it's a 100-win team. I think Boone needs to... Definitely figure out how to work out a bullpen, whether he needs to talk to Girardi or, or whoever. I don't think that's going to happen. No, I don't think that's going to happen, but he definitely needs to figure out how to manage a bullpen better. He done a, he did a lot of good things well. I mean, I think he Shane Robinson starting an extended period of time this season, what felt like a month and a half. I don't know the exact number. like the whole year. <laughs> but starting him for a very long time, I think he stuck with Gardner a little too long as well. But, you know, if I'm going to shit on the guy, I'll give him credit where credit's due. He found Jonathan Holder out of absolutely nowhere. That guy had was a bright spot this season. Chad Green got even better under him. And most importantly to me, he got Della Matanza's confidence back in. I don't want to trade him at all now. No, I mean, he was pitching the highest leverage innings in the postseason, albeit short-lived. And, and it's funny, Chad Green had points where he definitely looked better, but I still think he's better in that multiple inning reliever role. I think he's better if you give him two days off and let him throw two and a third or something than being an everyday reliever, but he definitely showed he was no fluke in 17, and he had a good year this year. I know Yankee fans are going to say, well, he had some bad games and some hiccups in there. It happens, but for all in all, I agree with you. He had a good year. They're going to come back next year with probably the best bullpen in baseball again. Let's just hope that they can button up the starting pitching a little bit because that's truly what hurt them this season. Um, and on the offensive side, the most important thing, just to wrap it up, I think that you need to get better security for guys like Aaron Judge and guys like Didi. Um, and I think that it starts with Gary Sanchez. I don't know what you got to do if you have to change out his change up his workout regimen, whatever. I need the Gary Sanchez that played in the playoffs this year to play in the regular season. Yeah, and the, I I don't want to hear that Austin Romine hit ten home runs. I want Austin Romine to hit two home runs because he's a backup catcher. Yeah, and I want Gary Sanchez to play like sixteen and seventeen. And 
like I know that they believe he can. And the other thing, just to say, who they won a hundred games, they got nothing out of Greg Bird. Gary Sanchez missed almost the entire season. Sonny Gray. Sonny Gray did absolutely nothing. And somehow they still won a hundred. as Chapman was on the DL for a bit. So I mean, they they won a hundred games, and they were Severino kind of fucked up in the middle in the there. second half there. So I mean, they were not a perfect team by any stretch, and they still won a hundred games, which goes to which I think is a testament to a decent manager. I know people are gonna say, "Oh, I could," you know, Tom could have won a hundred games with this team. Well, I mean, I want You probably wouldn't have won a hundred games. I would have won a hundred games. I'm very bright. Um, <laughs> well, but you know, still like that's a. It's a compliment to Boone. I think he did a good job as a rookie manager. His first year, you're a hundred. You anchor a 100 win team. You kind of got your feet wet. Now it's time to not fuck up next year and know what to do in pressure situations. Don't freeze up and make per, make moves. He said, you know, when they're out of off season press conference or just postseason press conference, he said, should have pulled Savvy. Yeah, well, a little too little, too late. But you made a good point about the rotation, and let's start there. There's going to be some shakeup here. Now, Severino is sure. going to be at the top. You're going to have Tanaka back. I think Patrick Corbin is option number one for this team. He fits really well into what they're looking yeah. for. And I, I think I, Jay Happ comes back on a two-year deal. As much as I like Patrick Corbin, he pitches in Arizona in the NL, and we've seen this story so many times. But that where guys a come over. park, though. I understand, but when you come to New York, it's totally different. I mean, listen, if they sign him and it's to a decent deal and it's nothing astronomical. It's going to be in the five-year, 75-85 range. That's not that bad. If you get above five years, especially for a pitcher, which I don't think Cashman would ever do, I'd get a little worried. I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm a little tentative when it comes to Patrick Corbin. It's not like you're getting Clayton Kershaw on his prime here. No, but I do believe that he's the best free agent pitcher on the market, and I think he, the fact he wants to be a Yankee, he's a ground ball pitcher, I think that you got to take a chance. I mean, you, I think you're speaking from the standpoint of you and I are a little gun shy, right? Like, think of the amount of starting pitching that they've gone out and gotten that has done absolutely nothing. Now, CC was great, obviously, but Burnett, not I'm, not what you want. I'm hurt, man. I'm just a broken man. I've seen yeah. it too many times. These guys that dominate on other teams, and or not even dominate. I wouldn't say that Patrick Corbin dominated, but he pitched very well, and he's going to come over here and. Let's just hope we don't have Sonny Gray. That's all. Oh, no, of course. And then I think you re- you look to re-sign Hap. I know he had a bad game one start, but, dude, he was money down the stretch for the Yankees. He he was the reason why they were able to fend off the A's and get that home field advantage. He was a, basically an automatic win, and he's a pro. We were talking about this leading into the, into the um, trade deadline season of why he made so much sense. Pitches in the AL East, knows how to get guys out. He's a he's a pro. He knows how to locate. I, would I like him be back on this team. Him. Another thing I have to ask you because you know a little bit more about the farm than I do. Who do you think we're going to see next year in a prominent role? Is it Justice Sheffield? Is there anybody else you see down there that you think are, are going to be playing for the Yankees and playing impact innings? Immediately, I think it's going to be either Herman or Loisaga, but out of the pen. I don't think they're going to give either of those guys um, a, rota- a sure rotation spot because I think that they want to have as much veteran cover in that rotation as possible. My prediction is you got Severino and Tanaka back. 
I think they're going to re-sign Hap. I do think they're going to reel in Corbin. I think Cashman likes him a lot. Who's the five then? Do they? Do I they think CC becomes back throw, on a one-year deal. That was but, my next question. Do they but, throw him a little deal? I think they throw him a little deal, but it's not going to be ten million, which he got this year. Now he's going to have it. He's going to have an option. I think this is going to be the first time where they're going to offer him a deal, and it's not a smack in the face deal, but it's going to be listen. We're going to give you one year, six point five with incentives. You know that you want to be back. We do want you back, but we're not giving you 10. And let's hope that you can come back and be a number five starter. And I think that they would do it simply because they were expected to win this year. They really want to win next year. And if you can go in with a Severino, a Tanaka, and those three lefties, that's really good. You're going to lose one of maybe both. We'll see how it plays out when we talk about the bullpen. You're going to lose Britain probably, and you might lose Robertson. So you're going to have to find one thing Cashman does, which is kind of the opposite of what we sometimes want him to do, which is find a starter. He does a really good job of converting some of these big arms into relievers. He did it with Batances. He's done it with a bunch of guys. Phil Hughes had his best year, really, when he was a reliever. So I, Jabba. I, Jabba as well. So I think what they could do, even if you want to go back all the way to Rivera, you know, like what you could do is you could say, well, Isaac and Herman, they have great off-speed stuff, really big arms throwing 97-plus. Put them in a roll, and don't throw them into the fire yet, but let them pitch the you know the fifth or sixth. You're going to have Green. You're definitely going to have Holder. You're definitely going to have Batances, and you're definitely going to have Chapman. I think they will re-sign one of the two, Robertson or Britton. I think they're going to go hard after Britton because the guy's younger. He has less miles on his arm, and I think that he had a down year this year coming off the Achilles. I think he returns to Zach Britton form. Next year, and the Yankees want a big power lefty out of the bullpen. Oh, I do too. He's going to be more expensive than Robertson, but I think if they were to choose one or the other, I think they're going to go after him. What about what's the story with Tommy Canley? You got Tommy Canley, man. I don't know if his his velocity has to return because the problem with him right now is that he doesn't throw hard enough where his fastball changeup mix matters. You know, if you're throwing 93 and you throw an 89 changeup, even if it has good downward depth, there's not a big enough change in velocity yeah, where that's going to confuse he guys. He throws literally a, fa- a straight fastball, nothing moves. So. Right, so if it's 98-99 and he can get that back, that's great. If not, that's a problem. But anyway, what are your predictions for the rotation? If You you asked me about the fifth. We're, uh, right now I say opening day next year. I think they're going the two righties who you have returning in Seve and Tanaka. I think they do reel in Corbin. And then you're going to have happen CC on the CC. back end. Yep. I, I'm, I'm in lockstep with you there. I completely agree with you. I think that they figure out a way to get Robertson back, probably on a hometown discount deal, just because. Now, he did say he's not going to take that. He oh. did say he, he, he wants to be a Yankee, but we'll he's. We'll call his bluff on that one. I think he comes back on a team friendly deal with a ton of incentives. What does that entail, though? I think it's a two year deal. Yep. Uh, maybe $12 million. Yeah, and I'm thinking it's going to take incentives. probably 15. Because uh, I, I think he could go to a lot of teams and, and and get and get more than that. Again, but it's like they're really going to call his bluff. It's like, okay, you want to go back to the White Sox? Enjoy then. We're oh, gonna, no, I'm not saying gonna... as a closer, but I do think somebody will ask no, him no, as, a role, all, as an eighth inning guy to, you know, somebody who's going to offer him a big deal. And I think Britain's going to end up with about three years and 17 million, something around that range. Yep. Depending on if he can prove that he will be back at 100%. So you think they're getting both of those guys back? I think that they're going to resign. They're a hundred percent going to resign one of the two guys, and I Agreed. think there's a really good chance that they resign both of them. And I think that they may trade by the deadline either Luizaga or Herman. 
Yeah, I mean, I think their hope is one of those guys emerges as their next Ellen Batances, or at least Jonathan Holder or Chad Green, where they can make you know have a really cheap dominant option out of their pen because both those guys have electric stuff. Maybe one of them slides into the rotation at some point. Reason I haven't mentioned Justice Sheffield. They he's got it. They they clearly didn't trust him much, and they haven't. And they, I haven't mentioned Chance Adams because he fell off a lot this year. Justice Sheffield has to throw, prove that he can throw the ball over the plate, and he reeks to me as another one of these Cashman hype ups who they can't convert into a starter. And maybe just maybe they use him as a really big trade chip. I'm not gonna say that. I do think he's back, I, but I don't think he starts the season on the big on the big league roster. I don't either, and I think that he either ends up as Aroldis Chapman's replacement, or he it does he gets traded. Yeah, I don't see a way he's a dominant starter for this team down the road. No, I think they're gonna do the Chicago Cubs model, which is build around a really dot a really deep position playing pool and then you're going to insert and plug in starting pitching from free agents and trades I think that's probably their best bet you know they have made some bad trades but they've also made some good ones yeah and the Yankees are historically not a very good team at developing starting pitching so yeah Severino has been their best in a really long time since Pettit yeah and and obviously you know he didn't he came over from Japan but Tanaka has been worth every cent yeah for them so now I want to get into the position players so this a little year, bit more fun. Jean One more Carlos, thing. What, what's oh yeah, going to happen with Sonny Gray? Just to, just to finish off. Oh, Brian the Cashman adamantly said he's going to try to trade him. It was crazy. Like he made he had his press conference with Boone on Friday, and like he was kind of coy on CC, kind of coy on Gardner. He mentioned that he's going to have Tommy John, which we'll get into in a second. And uh, he t- said that um, Chapman's going to have his knee surgery too, but be back for spring training. He adamantly admitted. <laughs> that Sonny Gray has been a failure and he's going to trade him. It's going to be an A.J. Burnett kind of deal. I don't know what you get for him. Nothing. But the point is is that it's addition by subtraction. Now, um, because there's no way he's back in in any way. No, no chance. And and that's fine. Like I give Cashman credit for recognizing in the middle of the season finally that he wasn't an option and that, you know, he failed at that. And, and listen, Chapman has a long his uh, Chapman uh, Cashman has a long history of trying to prove how smart he is and keeping guys out there a little too long, a la Greg Bird. Yeah. So this year, John Carlos Stanton was the big name. He came over, and I know he didn't have the numbers that fans wanted him to have, and he had a tough postseason, very tough postseason. But 30, 38 home runs, a hundred RBIs on the dot. I think he had a really nice first year. You know, he's a streaky hitter. I do expect him to have a better year next year. I don't believe any of this garbage that they're going to look to trade him to the Dodgers and the Dodgers are going to use his money because they're not resigning Machado. He's here to stay. I also don't believe he's opting out because I don't know who else is going to pay a guy $28 million or $29 million a year when he's turning 31. So he's here for the long haul. There's a lot to love about him as a player, but there's a lot you know, to be desired. I do think he looked like he was pressing, trying to make a great impression. It looked kind of like he was caught in that mold all year. You know, He had probably in the middle of the, ha- middle of the season, he looked the most comfortable. He carried the team when Judge was out for a bit, had a couple big home runs, really torched the Red Sox. Streaky, man. That's just but the But that's way what is. he is. You got to live with that. I mean, the guy ends up... You, he might not have had the year he wanted starting off, you know, at the beginning of the season, striking out five times and getting booed in his first game. But at the end of the year, you look up, and like you said, he probably hit, what, 270? Yep. About 
38 bombs and over 100 RBIs, what else can you ask for? Right. Especially with the deal that you made. Keep in mind, it's not like the Yankees traded Didi Gregorius, Aaron Judge, and Justice Sheffield for him. They traded Starling Castro and a couple players to be named. Right. There's really nothing to complain about there. Mm-hmm. It's the equivalent of the Kyrie Irving trade in the NBA where you really didn't get That's much That's a good for parallel, yeah. Because you didn't have... Because you knew that guy had the no trade clause, so. right? And I expect him to have, you know, this his year this year. I read a great article by Joel Sherman on the Athletic. He said that, you know, he compared A Rod's 2004 to Stanton's 2018. A Rod, remember, won MVP in 05. He was a lot more comfortable. Looked really locked in. Not to foreshadow or make any crazy predictions, but I think he's going to have a much better ne- year next year because he'll yeah. be more comfortable. And you're just comparing him to A Rod numbers wise, because correct? Because A Rod in '03 was coming off the AL MVP. Yeah, and A Rod is you know he's a god. To, he's a god to me. So <laughs> I go to church every weekend, but it's the church of a god. There you go. But most people don't like him. Supposedly he was an asshole. I don't really. And when I say that, I just don't consider. By all accounts, Stanton's supposedly a really good team guy, and he doesn't yeah he really doesn't have that diva. Yeah, the first part of A Rod's career, he was diva, and you could tell that's not really first how part. He tried to sue the fucking team and the doctors <laughs> when he got called for steroids at like 38 years old. I would say the whole career, his whole career. But praise, I, I was praise God. Praise I was God. I was talking more. <laughs> that's great. I was talking more about like you know he just came over with that attitude of it's all about me. You know, like, even though the team loved him in the second half of his career a lot more than you could tell they liked him in the first, Stanton doesn't seem to be that guy. Listen, A-Rod's had a really good resurgence. He's got a million shows. He's dating J-Lo. What the hell can I talk about? Like you said, Praise Church be of A-Gun. Plays be A-Gun. So, I like Stanton. I'm happy they have him. I expect better year from him. Judge going to be healthy full next year. Now, one thing that we got a horrible piece of news on Friday is... Tough stuff. Didi Gregorius will be undergoing Tommy John, if he didn't already, he will be out till August. That is your starting wow. shortstop. Who And even when he comes back, can he make the throw in the hole? I don't know. Yeah, so, and, keep in, and keep in mind, not only is he your starting shortstop, he's probably statistically the best Yankee shortstop ever. Oh, for well, if you're just looking at power numbers and RBIs, The guy yes. broke the team record for home runs the past two years. He's a clutch hitter. Good base runner, and come on, he's a wizard defensively. I love you, Jeter. You're not a god to me, but I love you. I love Jeter. The guy was, you know, the he's everybody's the favorite player. Yeah. I don't have to say anything bad about Jeter. Greatest owner of all time as well. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's a really tough loss. This guy is the centerpiece of your team, aside from Aaron Judge. And 2019 is the last year that Didi's under team control, so you're going to have to look to extend him. I think they will. But now this opens Pandora's box for the natural speculation of the Manny Machado move that seems like it's kind of been halfway happening anyway. Oh, it's inevitable. I think the Yankees are going to sign Manny Machado to an 8-10 to year deal, and I think it'll be worth every penny. Yeah, and, and Tom was giving me shit off the air because I was saying he, he just straight up doesn't hustle. And to me, oh, I don't love... It's not about being a bitch. It's, it's liking too- to see my players run, the, run their fucking ass down to first base. But you don't buy enough tickets. Have... You don't pay enough in beer sales. You cannot. You don't own this team. Stop bitching. You don't either. So, so you're exactly. giving this guy an eight to ten year deal. Uh, yeah, I'm 100 percent ready to do that. I'm glad he doesn't hustle because there's less uh, less opportunity for him to get hurt. All right. The guy has won a platinum glove at third base. That means he's the best fielder in the league. He's won multiple Gold Gloves at shortstop and third base. He is also one of the best hitters. He's the best shortstop in baseball. Now, before Tom decides that he's going to jump across this table at me and try to choke me out, 
I am not saying I don't want Manny Machado. Just, I'd love to have Manny what Machado. Are you, 26 years I'm old. Just you saying, sound like you're 80. I'm with just this saying, shit. run the fucking your ass down the first baseline in a ground ball, especially in a playoff game, which he didn't do yesterday. All right, that's okay. all I'm saying. Whatever, they lost anyways. That's all I'm saying. Because are you saying that the New York fans wouldn't get on him for that? If they're getting on Stanton for striking out, at least he runs his fucking ass down the yeah, first base. Yeah, the New York fans that are like, you, oh, oh, I want championships. I don't care if you I run do down too, which is why Manny Machado is going to come to this team How and he's going to be great. How about this? What do you want? Hit the ball out of the ballpark and then you can jog around the base. He will. I think we and can he'll both do, agree He'll do that, that a lot. All right? All right. All I'm saying is... That's not a great thing. His agent was probably like, dude, are you fucking serious? You're going to no, be saying good. that? The Yankees will get a little bit of a discount then. Even better. Thanks, Manny Machado. Not going to happen. Um, no, it's not going to happen. Gonna, but, but, he, but I do believe he's going to be a Yankee, and it's going to be great. Let's the numbers and all that stuff. All right, so I, it'll I'm be an 8- to 10-year deal. Yep. No in, the 30, in the 35 to $40 million a year range, he's one guy that I think they were going to hone in on anyway because there's questions about Andujar's defense at third base long term. I think that if you keep him there for a long time, he will get better. A lot of his a lot of his errors came on on throws, not on plays at third. It does. He's not a butcher. He's an and athlete. He can fucking he's hit. very athletic. What I think is going to happen. This is all barring on DD becoming back close to what he was before. And you've seen it before with position players. They come back. They get Tommy John surgery, and they're fine. I think DD will be fine. Um, I think that Machado is going to start the season at shortstop and Har at third. If DD comes back and is healthy. And playing well, I think Machado slides over to third. You put Didi back at short because, believe it or not, I think Didi's. I think Didi is a better shortstop than Machado. Didi's a better shortstop than Machado, and Machado is the best third baseman in the league when he plays over there. And then I think you slide Andahar into left field. I wouldn't be opposed to that. I'm wondering if it's left field or first base. Now, first things first, we got to get to that Didi point, whenever that is that he's coming back, and then you got to worry about an extension with him. Because I, 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 just the way the Yankees do business, I don't know if they're going to extend him knowing he's going to be hurt all year. But I do believe that Machado is going to be a Yankee. They're going to have a middle of the order of Judge Machado and Stanton. Jesus Christ. Now, you're going to have Andujar back playing third base. And you're going to have Glaber Torres playing second. Where is first base for you? Because I don't see a world. I think Greg Bird is broken. I think no, he's done. We, we don't even have to talk about Greg Bird. That's the last time I ever want you to bring him up on this podcast. We already he's under talk- contract and on the team. We already. T- First of all, he wasn't on the postseason roster. And when I asked you if Greg Bird was alive, you said he will not be on this team next year. Right, but I'm asking you. I made my point. I'm in agreement with you. I don't all think right. Greg Bird will be on this team next year. I think the Yankees start the season with Luke Voigt at first base. I'd be fine with that. Do you bring back Neil Walker to platoon a little bit? If if Neil Walker is willing to take a deal, absolutely. I would bring back Neil Walker to platoon. And then your outfield looks like McCutcheon. They're signing so you have them resigning McCutcheon. It's who who would be the other guy? Bryce Harper? No. Neither. I think So what do you think is gonna happen then? So I I, I think it's I think Gardner comes back. Ugh. Not, I think they're going to decline his option and sign him to like a one-year, six million dollars. Nah, I don't, I don't want, I don't want Gardner back. Well, you got to do something in the left field, and and, and McCutcheon's not settling for a one-year deal. You're probably right about that. The, look for the Braves to sign McCutcheon. I think he would fit in really well with with Acuna. And I, I what I believe is going to happen is, you they're still hoping Clint Frazier comes back. And now Gardner's going to have a diminished role. He's not going to come back and play you 155 games next year. He's going to come back and hit ninth in whatever lineup that they have, probably Aaron Hicks leading off, 
And then you're going to have Giancarlo play a lot of left, and you're going to hope that Clint Frazier shows that he's over the concussion symptoms and can come up and rake. But I think Gardner's going to play a decent amount at least early in the season in left field. And if you burn him out early, you're probably not going to need him down the stretch. And I think he doesn't want to be anywhere other than New York. I just don't think the Yankees want him back on $13 million with the option, and I don't think it's going to take that. McCutcheon's going to get a three-year deal somewhere. Yeah, I guess I'm in agreement with you there. If you can get Gardner on the cheap and just cross your fingers that Clint Frazier can get over this concussion syndrome because we've mentioned guys like Jason Bay and Justin Morneau as guys who have had the same concussion thing, but keep in mind those guys were also on the decline before they got concussions. It just got Well, they were older up. in their careers, exactly. right? Whereas this guy is very young, and hopefully he can just move on from it. He has an entire offseason to do it now. Hicks in center field, Judge in right, and and uh, Gary Sanchez at catcher. I just think you keep it the same there. So, yeah, I, I think that'll be the 2019 New York Yankees. That That's a pretty exciting team, if, if you ask me. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And, and they are going to spend, but I don't think they're going to go crazy. And I think they're going to spend on the guys that they know that they need. Like a Patrick Corbin, I know they love Hap, and Hap likes being a Yankee. They'll find a way to do that. Gardner and CC are different because they're going to ask them to take discounts on one-year deals. question is, is how badly do you want to continue to be a Yankee and finish your career there? Because Gardner will get offers from other teams, probably on two- or three-year deals. I know he's older, but he, he could finish his career somewhere else playing a lot more than where he might play for the Yankees. It's really a sentimentality thing. I feel the same way about CC. Maybe he goes out to Oakland. If the Yankees don't give him what he wants and he can pitch back where he's from, who knows? But his, you know, his family lives in Jersey. He said that he wants to be a Yankee because he wants to play. He wants to pitch in London next year when the Yanks and Sox go there. Hey, whatever gets him on the team for but cheap. But I would take him for cheap and then just hope that you know you get everything that you've gotten out of him the last two years. Robertson, I hope that he comes back too. He's just steady, man. I think he anchors the pen. I'm happy to say that I will never have to see Sonny Gray pitch for the Yankees again. Look for Milwaukee because his the pitching coach there was his coach at Vanderbilt. He kind of has this thing for finding reclamation projects. Obviously, the pitching coach out in Pittsburgh does the same. Whatever. And I don't care if he pit, if he wins the Cy Young next year. I knew he wouldn't do it for the Yankees. I felt the same way when they shipped Burnett out of there. That's fine for me. So... There's our th- take on the Yankees. As the offseason yes. goes on, we're we going to have, have a lot more to talk yes. about. It's not even the offseason yet. We're still in the ALCS and the NLCS. So that was our Yankees spiel. We will have an entire offseason to talk about the 2019 Machado will be on the Yankees. team by Thanksgiving. <laughs> well, yeah, last year they got Stanton. It was a nice little Christmas gift. They got him on, like, what, December 23rd something or something like, like that. that? Maybe even earlier. But, yeah. yeah, so let's move on to some sports that are actually still being played. <laughs> Although and teams that are playing, being, yeah. Being played. So let's move on to NCAA football. Why don't we? I, I'm looking forward to it. This First weekend thing I was talk awesome. About is did you see the news that Nick Bosa is yes. not returning to Ohio State? Yeah. So you give me give me your take on that because that came out of nowhere. I think this is kind of along the lines of what we saw with Leonard Fournette, where people were like, "You should just sit out. You're going to." But be this the isn't a bowl season. Usually those guys sit out when they're about to play a bullshit bowl game. Well, no, but I'm talking about the speculation where people are like, dude, you're the first pick in the draft whenever you're eligible your junior year. Just sit out. Said the same thing about Javdavion Clowney when he came out. Right. And I just think that it's time to start paying these guys because I think if he was getting paid even a little bit of money, I, I think that the guy would be would be playing right now. And I, honestly, by all accounts, 
all the scouts are saying early on that he's even better than his brother Joey, who went healthy, is one of the best defensive ends and outside linebackers in football. Um, and if he's going to be even better, sit out, dude. You already have two core injuries. Those are tough to come back from, and they take a long time. So I don't blame him at all for sitting out. I'm glad you said that because I don't either. Power to these kids because obviously we've talked about in depth how scummy the world of college football is. Now, when we start talking about the games, I'm going to love the games. But we, yeah, we acknowledge but that given. the business is what it is, which is shitty. It, it doesn't help the, the, the players. And it started with this transfer rule. And now I think it's really going to start escalating where some of these top prospects are just not going to play. Listen, Nick Bosa went to Ohio State just like his brother did. Because he wants to better himself so he can have a career in football. He's not going into business. He's not there for academics. He's there for higher education of football and to prepare himself to be a top three draft pick, which is what he's going to be this year. Listen, for all the people that are talking, you know, rah, rah, how do you do that to your college program? Easy. It's the same way that a coach ups and leaves. It's the same way that an institution keeps a coach who's, you know, been in in trouble for sexual, you know, abuse or any kind of misconduct. It's the same way. If a player is going to protect his draft status, we've already seen it somewhat in college basketball. Fucking do it, man. You don't know these schools anything, and these fan bases will get over it. Yeah, and I think all you are for them is an opportunity for them to say that they're part of a national championship team. You're going to see it a lot more often in college football. It's... I mean, one and done is like it's, it's like almost a dictionary term at this point in college basketball. It's gotten to the point now where people will actually go see their head coaches, whether it be Coach K, especially Mike Calipari, or any of these other big John Calipari, whatever, yeah, whatever. Yeah, Chischewski, Calipari. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> is that your mythical birth child of a college coach? Ah, uh, no, <laughs> no. But uh, we'll we'll get to that in college basketball season, but. The point is is that these guys will actually go see their coaches and say, what do you think? And the coaches will reach out to people that they're well-connected with and say, listen, like if you look at a guy like um, the guy on Villanova, DiVincenzo. Oh, yeah, yeah. That guy was coming off the bench at Villanova, and then Jay Wright reaches out to a few scouts, and they're like, this guy's going to be a top 15 pick. Jay Wright says, of course you got to go. This is your chance to set up your family for the next three generations. You have to go. And you're going to start to see college coaches, maybe aside from old grumpy Nick Saban, I think Dabo Sweeney will be the head of this, telling guys, don't don't come back for a senior year. Go now. you got to go. Yeah, or At don't. some point, they're going to have to adapt because it's in their best interest because then the next best, Nick Bosa or whoever it is, will say, hey, that guy looked out for the best interest of the player and not just the team. Right. And that, I want to go play for a guy like that. Right, and obviously the coaches are always looking out for themselves. I mean, they can say whatever, and you know I love Nick Saban at Bama, but he's looking out for himself, and he's he's recruiting kids to fit his scheme, and if it inconveniences another kid and upends his entire college career, then so be it because it's about him furthering his legacy at that program. I mean, how many times did Urban Meyer up and leave a program so that he could put himself in a better position? I applaud Nick Bosa for this. I think we're going to start to see it more as a trend. And good for them. Honestly, put yourself in your position. There's not being reciprocated, obviously, from the NCAA and the college programs view. So don't, you know, don't acquiesce to them. Bottom line, man, just do what's best for you and your future. That's Agreed. It. Yeah. All right. In so, any walk of life. So, so now we're going to get on to some the games. Games. Starting in the Big Ten, 
Michigan at number 12. Now, I feel like Michigan's been one of the most underrated and undervalued teams all year. They start with a loss to Notre Dame, which yeah. at the time didn't look great. I think great. that's what killed them. But now Notre Dame is one of the best teams in the country. That team's going to go undefeated. that loss doesn't look as bad. I think Notre Dame played all their tough games already. That team's going to – I think they're going to end up in the playoffs. When we get to them – it's it's going to be interesting to see how we're going to start laying out this playoff because we're only a couple weeks away from the rankings, you know, the, the bowl rankings. But right now, Michigan just beat the shit out of Wisconsin, who was number 15 in the country. Now, Wisconsin a couple weeks ago had that bad loss at home to BYU. They've rebounded since then and played really well. But that was never a competitive game from the opening kickoff. Harbaugh really has Michigan playing well. Shea Patterson out there, that transfer from Ole Miss, has played really well for Michigan, and they're actually putting up points this year, which they haven't done, and it's been building game by game. They were number 12 in this game. They're now number 6, but just a quick, you know, they, they just buried Wisconsin's chance at making any kind of run in this season in the Big Ten. Yeah, it's completely over. Wisconsin's clearly the third best team in the Big Ten now, if if lower, maybe, but yeah, it's it's definitely a two-horse race between Michigan and Ohio State. No doubt. And, and then the next Big Ten game, I'm skipping ahead in our notes here, but just to keep it synchronized, Michigan State goes on the road, and they beat Penn State in the final play. That was crazy. It was a crazy game. Uh, Penn State never really looked like they were in control of that game, although they were winning. It did look like they were going to you know, sneak by and take it. But Michigan State scores a touchdown as time's expiring. Terrible tackling by the cornerback at Penn State. Their defense has is very young. We talked about this when they weren't able to hold on to the game against Ohio State. They have a lot of talent, but they're just not there yet. I didn't like the defense they played. They allowed the guy to catch the ball, and the plan was to tackle him before he got to the end zone. He put on a move down the sideline, scored, and the game was over. Tough loss for James Franklin and Penn State because I think a lot of people would give them a lot of, you know, it wouldn't have been a big deal if they lost to Ohio State and that's it. But now having lost to Michigan State, the season's over for them too. Yeah, the, these seasons are getting over early this year, so we're starting to see the playoff picture round into form. But why don't we move on to the next one with a – Virginia Upstate of number 16, Miami. I'm calling your the, Miami your boys because you uh, had them big time going I into was, the season. Yeah, I had them in the final four. Um, I was wrong. What can I say? Yeah. I mean, College football is not my thing. Sorry, everybody. The ACC is weird. Um, obviously, Clemson's the cream of the crop there, and there's some decent teams in that conference. But it's a down year for that conference overall. Like, no team really – like – stares out at you and Miami just god man I mean I don't know what it was like they they didn't look prepared to play that game Virginia really kept them down I know Virginia's at home but that's not a that's not a game that Miami should lose if they're really back feels like they're resting on their laurels from last year a little bit and that was a bad loss for them uh good win for Virginia though and now I want to go into the big the big 12 where I told you how many times on this podcast that Iowa State is a dangerous team at home. You're right. And they just waxed Will Greer and the West Virginia Mountaineers by a total of 30-14, to 14, and it wasn't really even that close. Iowa State has one or two of these performances a year, and yes, it is generally at home, where any team on the rise in the Big 12 that has to go into that environment, they are not safe. Will Greer was a, was a Heisman candidate. He was looking super good. Tough road game. 
yeah, it was a bad performance by him. That might knock him out of the Heisman competition. Right now, there's nobody who's really grabbing that that by the throat. Dwayne Haskins looks really good for Ohio State. He might be the front runner right now. Aside, of course, from Tua Tagovailoa, who should win. The only question for me is playing time for him because he has a little bit of a sprained knee. Yeah, don't care. Let's move on. So, Heisman's. We got to <laughs> talk about it. I think that all of these top teams, and we have another top team that lost this week going forward, is just Nick Saban, man. He's just got to be in his office, just happy as a clam. Oh, of course. I mean, these teams are losing early although, this year. Although he's only happy, he's only happy when he's miserable, and that's true. You know, he'll find ways to do that. Notice I didn't even put them on this docket because they dismantled Missouri, which everybody saw coming, and there is no need to really discuss that. Keeping it in the Big Twelve, I was down in Austin this weekend, and let me tell you, it's a different vibe down there when Austin, when when Texas is great. I haven't been going down there that long during their downtime. I couldn't a, talk to you. Did you take a? I heard you took an actual two flights. You took a connector to Alabama, just to tell me That's you it. stepped foot in Alabama. Just to right? tell you, I stepped completely foot. out of the way. Tuscaloosa is beautiful, man. Oh um, yeah, I'm sure you would know. <laughs> but fucking fraud, <laughs> clown. Just relax. Um, but Texas, dude, Catch that was rolling, a, they beat a good win. And honestly, they lost their starting quarterback, Ellinger. He had a bad cut on his hand. wasn't able to finish that game, and there was doubt there. Baylor looked like they were going to charge back, just couldn't put it in the end zone, and Texas scored late and put that game out of reach. 23-17, good battle in that game, uh, and Texas is going to move up the ranks. In the most surprising game of the week for me in the SEC, Georgia didn't even get off the bus, and LSU can score points now to match that defense. 36-16, Jesus Christ. I think this game was very disturbing. It's very opposite of everything. I mean, Georgia just didn't show up on either side of the ball. And you're right, LSU has figured out a way for the first time in a long time, from what I can remember, to actually score points. They scored points, and that is a great Georgia defense. I got to say this about Jake Fromm. Didn't look that great. Justin Fields might be on his ass to come take that job, very similar to the way Tua took the job away from Jalen Hurts. Listen, Fromm led that team as a true freshman to the national championship last year. If it wasn't for a crazy comeback by Bama, would have won in his freshman year. They have another top recruit, and this could be like Clemson all, all over again as well. You know, Kelly Bryant doesn't look great, and in comes Trevor Lawrence. That's a tough loss there. Jake Fromm never could generate offense, and Justin Fields might be on his ass to take that job now. It's just the new wave of how these how these quarterback decisions are being made. I mean, Georgia couldn't even run the ball. No, and they this couldn't. is like running back you. I mean, you could name a million NFL running backs, bunch of starters that came out of this college, and they just could not run the ball at all either. And they have, you know, offensive linemen that are five star recruits. They're starting two freshmen, but they're five star recruits. Right. I mean, so they they are they got to be great, and a couple other All Americans on the team. And they just could not do anything right. I think they're going to regroup, and I think they'll probably be facing Alabama in the SEC title game. I think that LSU, uh, I don't know. Who, who goes to it? Well, it? well, LSU would have to get through Bama, and that game's in three weeks. If they're going to get pat, if they're going to play in the SEC title well, game, well, that's the out of the of SEC East right now. I mean, it's Georgia's to lose. Florida has had a couple nice games. Nah, nah, that's that's the benefit of playing in the SEC East is that Georgia can lose this game and still go right. To face and don't Bama. but don't forget too is now they have as many losses now as Kentucky, and they're going to have to play at some point too. 
And when they do, that game's going to decide probably who's going to go play there because Kentucky has the win over Florida. I'm not shaking in my boots over Kentucky against Georgia. <laughs> You're not, huh? No, not at all. Uh, this isn't basketball. Um, so that was I was just taken aback, though, by how bad Georgia's defense was in that Georgia game. Georgia basketball will be better. Big time hire in Tom Crean this year. All I'm right. brushing up on college. Yeah. yeah I'm ready good, to go for that preview. I, I can't wait. Um, it's coming right up. I can't believe it. Staying in the SEC, Texas A&M survives against South Carolina. Talk about an SEC East team that kind of came out of nowhere. They played this game about as well as they could have played down there in South Carolina, and A&M squeaked by. Listen, A&M seems like they're getting up for the really tough opponents. They weren't able to beat Clemson. They've, they've had a couple nice wins, but, boy, they played down to that competition. And South Carolina is – you think LSU can't score points? They can't score points, and they put up 23 on a good A&M defense. I think, I think the head coach just has to get in there and, and really turn that program around. And you see this with teams when they get new head coaches is that they play up and down to competition. And in a few years, Texas A&M wins this game by 20. Yep. And final SEC game, Tennessee beat Auburn. Auburn was 21. They're going to fall out of the top 25. We were wrong about them, huh? I really was. Craig Stidham has been really fucking bad for them. Like, really bad. I thought he was going to be kind of a sneaky guy to, to go out in this draft and, and maybe be the second quarterback taken. Not a chance now. He's really regressed from last year. And uh, to, to lose to Tennessee, who hasn't had a big win in forever, that's uh, that's a bad loss for them. And that really, if their season wasn't over already, effectively ends it now, even playing in a, in a decent bowl game. Next, I'm just putting it in, in there because UCF has still been undefeated and they have been for the last two years. They squeaked by. national champion UCF. That's right. <laughs> uh, they sneaked by and beat Memphis on the road 31-30. This is a game to me, the only reason I put it in there is because even they though they won, undefeated. Right. Even though they won, though, this isn't going to look good in the committee's eyes. Because Memphis, even though they are, they do get players and they do have talent, that's not a program that you should be just beaten by one point. I know everybody has their day. We're just talking about South Carolina hanging, hanging with A&M. But that's not a good game. UCF is in a position playing in the AAC where they have to not just beat teams. They have to obliterate teams. People are going to look at, okay, you're still undefeated, but... Really? That's a that's not a good that's not a good performance. Really good game that I watched is we have two more to talk about. Oregon beat Washington 17 over 7. We talked, we were waiting for Washington to lose again and they finally did, albeit in overtime only by 3. I was watching this game because I have my eyes on on Justin Herbert, the quarterback from Oregon, to see where he could be. The Giants scouts had an eye on him, too. They were why, there. Why, dude? Eli's going to play for another five years. Uh, no, no, he's not. Um, and tomorrow you can make all the jokes that you want, you son of a bitch. Um, but until then, he looked really good. Washington, again, man, just doesn't come through. And I was waiting for them to lose. But this was, even though it's ranked as an upset because it's 17 beating 7, it wasn't really an upset. Didn't feel like it, and I think Oregon's the best team in the Pac-12. It looks like they most certainly are, and they have the best quarterback in that conference as well. Finally, Notre Dame at five. Now, this is a game because they're Notre Dame. They're not going to get penalized for this. And I also told you that Pitt plays them tough. Yep. And, they, and I was right about that as well. Notre Dame won by five. There was serious doubt that they were going to win this game. They ended up taking care of business at the end, winning an ugly game. But it's a game you have to win. You know, in the year that they went to the national championship game against Alabama, they beat Pitt 
in three overtimes on a field goal after both teams missed a few, and they were very lucky to win that game. Now, that isn't the BCS this year, but they've had enough quality wins, in my opinion, particularly that Michigan game is going to look really good, that they've won. And as long as they can run the table, they're five now. I think they're going to be okay. So that's my wrap-up for college football from this week. Yeah, they very well could. I mean, especially with Georgia losing. There's a good chance I think Clemson will slide into two, and they'll go to three. Um, Let's preview week eight here. Week eight. Bama at Tennessee. Does Tennessee do anything like they did against Auburn? I think not. Absolutely not. The only thing I'm looking for here is whether Tua plays. He's got the sprained knee. He re-aggravated it in the Missouri game. The way I see it is there's no need there's no need to play him. Put Jalen in there. They have the bye week next week, and then they travel to Death Valley to play LSU at night in the first weekend of November. You want to have Tua healthy for that game. Don't risk it. You should. They should beat Tennessee easily. Next, Michigan now at six moves up six spots. They travel to 24 Michigan State, who just upset Penn State. Anything can happen in the Big Ten, man. We've been seeing that a lot this year. That's not going to be an easy game, but if Harbaugh escapes that, I think they're smooth sailing the yep. rest of the way until the Ohio State game, which is going to be epic. NC State at Undefeated Clem- NC State. Yeah, isn't that crazy? I mean, their West Virginia game got rained out, so what do we really care? The right. team they were going to play this year. Right, but, I mean, we've said, like, the ACC is down, but all you do is look in the rankings, and there's like there's like six ACC teams in the top 25, at least there was as of last week. Of course, they're all buried outside the top 10 with the exception of Clemson, but that's going to be an interesting game. Clemson's at home, though. That should give them a decided advantage. Let's see what NC State has. And uh, and if they can if they can generate any momentum going on the road in the SEC, we got Mississippi State at LSU. LSU has this game before their bye week as well against Alabama before the Alabama game. Do they look ahead to the Alabama game? This is a game they should win. Mississippi State has played okay. They're at 22 in the country right now. They have talent. You know those SEC West games are never easy, but I do expect LSU to win this game. Oregon at Washington State. Is this a letdown game for Oregon? They can sniff that they should win the Pac-12. College game day is going there, too. It's they're going, going really there. Exciting. Washington State, they're playing the game in Seattle at the uh, at the Seahawks' place. Um, so that's going to be interesting. Washington State is a very dangerous team because Mike Leach has that team putting up a shit ton of points. They always put up a lot of points. Their question is defense. Can Herbert go into an environment which is going to be pretty chaotic and win this game on the road. I think he does. Finally, we talked about Kentucky football. They have Vanderbilt coming in. And Vanderbilt, they could have beaten Florida this past weekend. Florida pulled away. They won by 10. But that game was very, very close. And let's see if Kentucky is legit. Because if they win this game, we're setting up for a very interesting end of the year in the SEC East to see who's going to represent that division. No doubt about it. So we have the, when is the first week of the college playoff release? Three weeks. We are three weeks away from the first college playoff release. This is almost as important as going out and voting, guys. This is right up there with it. If you ask Nick Saban, it is the most important. Of but. course it is. <laughs> and and uh, we have a Heisman watch going on. Maybe within the next couple of weeks, we'll talk about our top four Heisman candidates. Even though you shut me down when I was talking about Will Greer. Yeah, whatever. Who cares? <laughs> um, I said it in a couple you weeks. You just don't so. care about my opinion. <laughs> so moving on to the NBA. It actually has already started. It starts tonight. We have the Celtics against the Sixers. The Celtics are leading into the third quarter right now, I believe. And then tonight, the Oklahoma City 
uh, Thunder play the Golden State Warriors, the eventual champion Golden State Warriors. Um, and then the last thing we have to talk about is just Jimmy Butler. What, what do we, what do you, what say you about Jimmy Butler? How do you feel about that recently? I say this was very anticlimactic and I don't want to hear anything more about Jimmy Butler. That's what I say, because honestly, the trade should have happened by now. He did everything he could to get traded and apparently he blew up at practice. Then he went on the jump with Rachel Nichols to talk about that, basically calling the, you know, players on his team cowards and saying that they, they had no heart and that they don't deserve him because all he wants to do is win and then telling the the GM or something that he that he doesn't want that, you know, trade me or you don't want to win or something like that and just chat, make doing basically everything. It reminds me of that Seinfeld episode when George is trying to get fired by the Yankees and he's like wearing Lou Gehrig's pants and dragging around the World Series trophy. Like, what more can Jimmy Butler do to try to get traded? It's just not happening, and and unbelievably, if you asked me three weeks ago, I would have laughed in your face if you said that he'd be playing game one of the season with the T-Wolves, but that's how it's going to be, and and I think it's going to stay that way at least until the trade deadline. Yeah, I'm completely in agreement with you. I think he does get dealt before season end, but he is going to be on this roster for at least the start of the season and probably through the trade deadline. I'm going to pound my fists again. The Toronto Raptors, please make this move. You guys will definitely help out my Kawhi MVP case, as well as my two seed in the East case. But how do you think he looks in the NBA, though, to this? Like, I know everybody's boys and they're friends, but doesn't this look bad? Because usually guys that cause a big stink about getting traded actually do. And it looks right now like he just... Here's he's the very, reason why... He's a baby. Like, it doesn't look good. Here's the reason why I think this looks bad. Uh, and it looks a lot worse than the Kyrie Irving situation mm-hmm. and, and some of the others. Kyrie just wanted to be the guy, and he was never going to get that opportunity in Cleveland. Aside from even that, the reason why I'm comparing them is because this is like their pre-agency, as everyone's saying, and demanding a trade is because this is the third time Jimmy Butler has done this. Yeah. So Kyrie Irving has done it once, and he has been a really good citizen, all about the Boston <laughs> Celtics, all about... You know, he's already announced that if they'll have him back, he wants to resign all that shit. Jimmy by the Butler, way, what he means by that is he'll take them back if Danny Ainge offers him the max. Yes, of course. but uh, And he deserves the max for the type of player that he is. The difference is that Jimmy Butler has, did this twice with the Chicago Bulls, one time successfully when he did get traded to the Timberwolves, and now he's doing it again. I mean, come on. How many times can you do this? Are you I, just going to yeah. alienate every team until you end up on the one you actually want to be there with? And... Once we all know that not every situation is perfect unless you're Durant going to the Warriors. So what if he goes to a team like the Lakers or a team like the Clippers or God forbid one of our cases, the Knicks or the Nets, and doesn't like it nearly as much? I had to deal with it with Darren Williams. I don't want another one of these players that's doing that. And I think teams are scared off by this kind of attitude because, listen, as a free agent, undeniably his talent is going to win out and he's going to get a max deal. And he'll have his pickings of where he wants to go because anybody would like to have Jimmy Butler playing for their team. And I don't doubt that he has a lot of heart and cares a lot about winning. But sometimes you gotta fucking sack up and play with the hands the you know, the hand you were dealt. And he wanted to go to the Wolves. 
and you're still dealing with a young team. I know that you're not a fan of Andrew Wiggins, and there's really no great reason to be. Hasn't Andrew been Wiggins that good. and Towns are like 23 and 24. But they're by far not finished products. They're not finished products, and they haven't they haven't been in a position where they really could win. You know, last year was really where they just got their feet wet, getting dragged by Jimmy Butler into the postseason. What? Maybe they do have urgency now. Maybe they got a taste of it and said nobody's talking about us. Maybe we can wreak some havoc in the Western Conference and take people yeah, by surprise. I don't see it happening, but would you be shocked if Andrew Wiggins comes out like a bat out of hell? And no, because he has the talent to do it. Yeah. I mean, he was the number one overall pick for, for a reason, as was Carl Anthony Towns. And I, I think that these guys are... You know, they're babies, and they haven't. It's not like they were drafted into a great situation. So it feels like a Jimmy Butler in this era of the NBA, instead of having a guy like that to be the next piece and really show these guys how to win and, and embrace that role. He's doing the opposite and saying, I don't like how these guys don't, don't want to win and they don't have heart. Listen. You can't do that. You, you got to give these guys a chance. And you I can't think it, do that like three times. That's no, all. <laughs> and it looks shitty. And, and I, if I were a GM, I wouldn't like that, especially if he wants to go to a team like the Clippers, the Nets, or the Knicks that have a young nucleus. I don't want yeah, to have that teams, kind of stank on the on the team. <laughs> the three teams on his list, like I want to go to the Clippers, the Knicks, or the Nets. It's like those teams are worse than the I was just going to say, how, how, are those, how are those teams? Not I mean, like he said the Warriors. They're bigger markets, but are those teams anything better than what you currently have? Maybe two being in the East with the two New York teams gives you a better chance to go deeper into the playoffs, but that's besides the point to me. <laughs> I, could, I could see him coming to the Nets and being like, Jesus Christ, why why am I here? And it's especially to the Knicks' point. I mean, neither of those teams are ready to win at any point soon, so I, I, I don't get it. I, he needs to just shut up and play. He won't be a wolf by the end of the season, but for now, it's just a very awkward situation because he did everything he could to break up with them, and they just wouldn't let him, and now he's stuck in this relationship. That this is, this is a Tom Thibodeau being stubborn because I'm going to get fired anyways yep. kind of thing. And the only way that he gets traded, and I think it will happen, is the owner is just like, all right, enough of this shit. Well, he was expecting something to happen like with Popovich and, and Kawhi, where Kawhi was saying, I don't want to be here, and, and I'm not going to play. And Yeah, but that shit didn't happen in 10 minutes. It was prolonged oh, over no, like it a was, season and a half. It was prolonged. but Somebody I think, needed to remind I Jimmy think, Butler that, it, it, first of all, it made Kawhi look like a terrible asshole, Yep. and it took him about a year and a half to finally get the thing done. Yep. Now, you know I'm a very vindictive person, and I, I, I do appreciate that kind of attitude, and spite is a beautiful thing to me, but... I, I I do love the fact that the Wolves are saying, fuck you, man. You came here. You're under contract for one year. We got a good young nucleus, and no, we don't expect to win, yeah, but we you think go. you They'll can be help. Spiteful too. And we are going to find the best trade for you. We're not going to give you away. And if you have to play here in freezing cold Minneapolis through the winter with this team, then that's going to suck for you. But we're not fucking budging on this. And, all, and I give all the power to him. Thibodeau knows his days are numbered, especially if he gets rid of Jimmy Butler. And, and there's no reason he should get rid of him. Play through your contract. This isn't football. Play on this team. It's not the worst situations. You and I are going to have to go through a winter of watching 25 at best win teams. I think he'll be okay taking the eight seed in Minnesota. You picked the Nets to go to the playoffs, and now they're only winning twenty five. Well, games? I said at best case, but you know, for for your Knicks mostly, but you know, <laughs> the, the, all right, it's still the Nets. What are they going to win? Like thirty four this year? That that would be great. That would be great. But the Wolves will win more than that, and they should yeah. win. They should sneak in to the playoffs if Jimmy Butler's there, like we talked about on our on our pre on our NBA preview. 
Absolutely. It is exciting to get basketball started. The Celtics are up. Play on your team. <laughs> the Celtics are up 12 points with about five minutes left in the fourth quarter, so they're going to probably take that game. Tonight you got Golden State and Oklahoma City. What, what are you looking forward to for the last week before we wrap things up, or for the up-and-coming week? Yeah, I mean, I'm just excited to have the storylines back. You know, I'm excited for the NBA to be back. Yeah, for a while, I mean, the NBA really turned me off because I, I just I think that it's bad to have a sport that you know the inevitable is going to happen and it just dilutes so much competition because there isn't much, especially with a team like the Knicks and the Nets where it's like you can't even pretend like they're what they do matters in the grand scheme of things. But I'm going to be excited about seeing my Nets play. I want to see what they do. I know you're looking forward to seeing the young talent on the Knicks. Yeah. And overall, the storylines are great. You know, the NBA is an all-season sport just like the NFL is, it never takes a break. There's drama, there's storylines, there's plenty to go around. I want to see what what LeBron does and the kind of start the Lakers get off to. You know, the Warriors are going to cruise, you know, and, and just kind of coast until Boogie gets back. I don't know. I mean, I I'm kind of looking for I'm kind of looking to see what kind of yeah. possible train wreck happens in Houston if Carmelo doesn't get what he wants. Those are kind of what I'm looking for, kind of just on the periphery. How about you? I'm really excited to watch the Knicks play and just watch the storylines break down. The teams I'm most excited to see play are Celtics, who we're missing out on right now, but I'm definitely excited to see them play the Lakers and then obviously the Knicks. One thing I will say about the Knicks... They have 81 games left you can watch, by the way. And nobody has mentioned this guy really. Um, I think the guy that they got who was an absolute steal is Rolando Trier out of Arizona. If I could comp him to one player in the NBA, and he's played about 30 years in the NBA, what it feels like is Jamal Crawford. This guy is an if isolation he could be a Jamal scorer. Jamal Crawford, that would be pretty great. Who played for the Knicks, but you can't. But the thing is, you don't expect Jamal Crawford to be an All Star, which is when he was on the Knicks, what you expected him to be. You expect him to compete for Six Man of the Year and be instant offense off of the bench. And I think this guy is money, and he can absolutely be that. Yeah, I want to see D'Angelo Russell get through a nice start of this season. I want to see him play with Dinwiddie, which he didn't do a lot last year, and just kind of see what the Nets Little Jared do. Allen? Yeah, I mean, I like what they what I've seen from the preseason. I kind of It was everything I kind of expected. You know, they scored points. Their defense leaves a little to be desired. But either way, I mean, they're a fun team to watch, and I'm looking forward to seeing them now that, you know, even though we'll stay plugged into the rest of the postseason and and the uh, World Series, I mean, my football season's over. My team's baseball season is over. Mine is not. So, well, that's fine. Uh, And congratulations to you and your baby boy, Darnold. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to enjoy watching the Nets because I don't have anything else that's going to take top priority for me. Nothing else to live (laughs) for. I didn't say that, sports-wise. Um other than that MLSU game. I'm looking forward to that. All right. Well, that about wraps it up for the podcast. We'll be back tomorrow. Sean, I will bring a box of tissues for you. I don't want to hear it. We're All just right, going to get into it, and it's going to be fun to talk about. And, yeah, save your best jokes.